1: If you guys want a free drum lesson, you guys can go on danlamagna.com slash lessons, get some free drum lessons virtually. Uh, Nationwide Business Capital Group is one of our sponsors. So if you go on nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see a link for Nationwide Business Capital. So if you are looking to get funding for your real estate deals, one of the reliable, consistent lenders out there right now is Nationwide Business Capital Group. Whether you have good credit, bad credit experience, no experience, they will be able to give you the best and worst case scenarios. To get you loans for your rentals, for your portfolios, for your commercial deals, for your lines of credit, for your fix and flips. So tell them that the A Game Podcast sent you or go on nicknicknick.com slash links and ask for Marianne and she will take good care of you for getting to your real estate deals. Uh, Naked Warrior CBD, again, go on our links, nicknicknick.com slash links to get 20% off using the code A for all the products. They have energy drinks coming out now, gummy CD, tinctures, all kinds, no THC. It will not get you high, but it will work wonders for your stress. For your sleep, for your anti inflammation, for your appetite. Overall, CBD is a wonder drug for me. I use it all the time, and Naked Warrior CBD is a new sponsor of the show. And they're doing absolutely outstanding. And finally, if you're looking to buy any good real estate investments or want to get involved, I have a bunch of properties I've recently sold. I have new inventory coming out all the time. There's a lot of ways now that I've been home that I've got projects that we can get you guys involved in, whether you want to buy, whether you want to sell. NickNickNick.com and uh, make an appointment to. Discuss some properties. My guest today, I'm very excited to have Joe Lutrulio on. Joe Lutrulio is somebody I've been a fan of for a very long time. I'm sure you recognize his face and his name. He's been in the business forever. A writer, director, producer, actor, uh, of that. I started seeing him um, on MTV's The State, one of my favorite shows of all time, which we'll definitely talk about. A Wet Hot American Summer, amazing role in Wanderlust, Role Models, I Love You Man, You're Hysterical in, Frequent Nine Nine Star, Hall, Viva Variety, Reno 911, Party Down. Pitch Perfect, Beer League, and I could go on and on. But again, most importantly, my fellow New York native, Joe Luchuio, yeah. I appreciate you being here today. How are you? How's your family? I'm great. Um, thanks for having me, uh, my fellow Queens uh, uh,
0: resident. Well, not resident, but from Queens. I'm um, really happy to be here. Uh, it's nice to uh, talk to um, New Yorkers, and um, and fam- my family's great. We're uh, we're we're in California now. We're in Glendale, and um, you know we're we're lucky to have a
1: have a, a nice uh, pool jump in every now and then. To get nice, high. that's awesome, man. Yeah, it took took a while for the. I'm technically in Chicago right now, but it only really started getting warm very recently. So, like the, I was like, I could deal with the quarantine if I at least could just get a little bit of sun. So that's that's turned a little bit. So I'm trying to just yeah soak it and enjoy before the the season's turn. You know, so that's cool though, man. So uh, you know, obviously, there's a ton of stuff I definitely like to dig into and talk to you about. One of the first things I'd like to hear though is. You know, starting out in New York, and I know you moved to Florida, but what got you first interested in, in show business or comedy and just going down that road of being in entertainment?
0: Well, you know, I, I come from a, you know, pretty big, I had a lot of cousins, um, you know, Irish, Italian, and, uh, you know, it was always very fun and there was a lot of laughter and, and, um, and jokes. And, I, and I, I think it all kind of began there at the, at the reunions, and the barbecues and the parties and the holidays uh but i always enjoyed performing and acting um just performing really wrote wrote plays as a kid and did them in the living room that type of thing and uh you know i i think in terms of like professionally i it, it's just something i always knew i wanted to do i wanted to make movies it wasn't really even about acting i i always did a lot of uh small like super eight films and um You know, a buddy of mine back in the early 80s got one of those first gigantic like VHS kind of camcorder things and and we would make movies. And so it was always really about movies for me and um, did some plays in high school and then decided to go to NYU film school. And that's where kind of everything broke open. Um, I mean, the earliest memory I have of wanting to be in the biz is uh, is kind of seeing Jaws. Uh, And I was pretty young. And then just wondering like how they did it. You know, I remember like that, that was a it was scary. Obviously I was terrified. And, but it was the first <laughs> moment where I was like, how did they do that? Look at that. How did that shark come out of the water like that? And I just remember thinking about the, you know, the craft, the, the creation of it all. And I, I think that might've been the beginnings there. of Like, how, how can I do stuff? Like
1: that? Yeah. It's funny that you said that. Cause I, I do feel like I'm the weirdo sometimes that instead of just enjoying what the production of it is i go to like where do they come up with that how many takes was it and i'm picturing like even when i watch the state how funny was it when it's three or four of them in a room and they have it the first time the other guy like i like listening or just trying to figure out or or see the flow of how things are created i love that the process and the thought behind it i think is really cool
0: yeah it's it's a lot of fun and um You know, it's what I've tried to, you know, base my life on is just creating things, you know, it just leads (laughs) to, for me, a happier life when you find people you like and you just create stuff. It's a lot easier to, uh,
1: it's a lot harder to create um, than destroy, but like it's a lot more rewarding, you know. It is, you know, it's funny. I, I did construction for a little while around New York and it was really fun to go in there and demo stuff when you first came in and for like a day or two but there was no nowhere near the amount of joy of when you finally see a finished product and it's yeah. built and you're like the pride I have in that it's like oh, you know people are shopping in a store i built I completely
0: agree i totally get it it's it's very very true very rewarding
1: was your family supportive of you making that decision to go on the lane of entertainment and shows they,
0: they were they were amazing um my parents are just really really great people uh and and they always were very supportive uh you know part of it made have been that neither of them had any idea of the, you know, dog eat dog world of the of show <laughs> business and how difficult it can be. And, um, but they, they knew that I was a kid that had a lot of, um, energy and a lot of perseverance. I didn't quit a lot. And I think they kind of said, well, you know, I, we don't know anything about this industry, but he seems to be able to handle, uh, the pressure uh, a little bit. So, I mean, I, you know, I don't know what they thought, but they were super, super helpful and supportive. Yeah. They were always very proud of it. That's awesome. You know, I, I remember feel- my dad, I'll give you a quick story. My dad, <clears throat> uh, it was when we were doing the state and, uh, you know, our, our first office was in times squares at 1515 Broadway. And it was the old office where the TRL was, it's like this corner office with windows and it overlooks times square. And it just, it it was beautiful. And then we had that office and then for the pilot. And then we went up to like, you know, the 45th floor. So one day my dad, you know, they're in Florida at this point, I'm living up in New York. He comes to visit and, uh, and we walk into the lobby of this gigantic office building and there's security there. Of course, you know, you have to kind of show your ID card and everything. And the guy says, uh, good morning. Nice to see you, Mr. LaTulio. And my dad was about to reply when he realized that the security guard was talking to me and I am at this point, we started the state, I'm I'm like 22 or 23, you know, maybe I'm sorry, 24, 94. And my dad, like, it was amazing to see the face of your father. He couldn't believe it. And then then he he took the elevator up and, uh, and then we have all these amazing people helping us make this thing. And me and, nine and 10 other people are in charge, essentially. And it's just, he was always supportive, but I think there was a certain point where he was going to say after graduated, like, okay, at a certain point, you need to get like a job that's going to pay. And, you know, and so that was a, a very fond memory I have uh, of that. It was, it was a very proud son.
1: That's great. I love that. I used to live on 47th and 7th, so I was there for like a year. 46, I lived on 46th, between 9th and 10th. I thought you looked familiar. I knew I knew you from somewhere.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I was there. I was in that. I was on that block from like 92 until I moved to California in 2006. So I I was there. I was in the neighborhood for a while. Yeah.
1: What was Was there a a bit of a culture shock or how big of a difference was it going from? I mean, New York at that time when like Times Square was Times Square to going out to California where I things are more spaced uh, out. I spent I, a lot hate time
0: out there too. I hated LA for the first two years I was here. I just didn't like it. Uh, but I couldn't complain because I, I got work pretty, uh, pretty, you know, fairly quickly after arriving. But again, you know, I wasn't right off the bus. I had some, some projects like the state and stuff before that, but I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. And it was because I was trying to kind of live like I was still in New York, you know, and it just, LA is a different city. It's a different city and it has great things about it. I love it now. I love living here now. But at the time I just was like, ah, place is the worst. And so (laughs) uh, the culture shock was big, you know? Uh, And then, and then I just ended up kind of as people do, you get sucked in here and, you know, the quality of life is pretty great here. Uh, So, and, and then of course you, you, you gather your group of New York people, right? That have also moved out <laughs> New York. And then you meet amazing people that are LA natives, you know? So it's like any place, like there's a group, there's, there's great people here, you know, you got to find them.
1: Well, you seem like a guy who finds, and which I definitely have heard you say, the guy who finds good in every situation. So I, I feel like that's an internal thing that if you're the kind of person who seeks out other good people and finds the positive and where you are, you're going to find that no matter what city you went to, you would have found your people there that you jailed with.
0: I, that's nice to say. I hope so. Uh, you know, I think that energy, I think energy attracts similar energy, you know, and uh, without getting too, <laughs> too uh, heady and metaphysical about it. But yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been, you know, uh, more of an optimist. I just like, this is how it is.
1: And, you know, let's, let's get it done. Yeah, you mentioned something that I think is super important to, to touch on that. You said your parents knew you as somebody who always followed through and never quit. Uh, my first question on that is, is that something that you got from your parents or is that just something that you've always, obviously you had it from a young age, if they saw any of that young?
0: I, 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 you know, I don't know. Both, both, both of my parents are, are, are really accomplished people. Uh, you know, my dad worked for American Express for about 40 years, 45 years. And my mom um, was, was a mom, was a housewife for a bit. And then she worked with the school system after we went, uh, when we got into high school. And so, I mean, they, they they both had goals of their own. And I, I was a pretty, and still am, kind of a restless soul. Like I, I just, I've always kept moving and, and I, I find, uh, I find a little bit of solace in having goals and stuff to do. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think it might've, I think that came from just who I am and then um, maybe wanting to get out of Florida and <laughs> <I> wanting to, <laughs> To to kind of do what I've always wanted to do, because uh, it wasn't going to be in Florida; it was going to be in New York or California. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. No, it's a good question.
1: Being in in the 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 business that you're in, where there's a lot of rejection, and you know, a th- real estate. I, I see a lot of similarities: it's feast or famine. Mm-hmm. You know, things are you're getting something, you get a verbal, then it never comes to fruition, and you're up and you're down. Um, so I feel like that. You know, when people ask me business wise for real estate side, hey, what's what's the one trick you wish you could have or anybody could have to be successful, that really is the one that I think more than anything, the successful people that I know is just, they don't quit no matter how hard things get, no matter how deflated they get, they don't let the highs get them too high or the lows get them too low. Um, are you finding similar things that have helped in your career? Because obviously you're doing yeah. something right. If you, I mean, you've been in countless things for years and years and years in a business that most people never even make it on a commercial, let alone have the success and longevity that you have.
0: Well, part of it is tenacity and not wanting to quit. But the real, the, the secret to that is that you really love doing it and don't know what else you can do. So there is like this other side that desperation is not the right word, but it's like this, this is, I love doing it and I'm, I, you know, I'm good at it and I don't know what else I would do. I've had many, 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 many moments where I seriously considered what else do I enjoy doing? Cause I'm kind of over this and the business of it. And I'm, I'm not d- being part of the things I want to be part of. And that's just, that happens, I think in every business, but I- I've thought about it. I've thought about like, look, what else could I do? And I I, I never really came up with an answer that was really fulfilling. I mean, I, I really don't know. I-, I-, I Teachers are amazing and I, and I think I'm a good teacher, but I don't know if that would fulfill me. For the rest of my life you know what i mean like so i've kind of gone through a lot of different options you know for a while i want i'm like you know what i'll just be a forest ranger I like, <laughs> outside. I like hiking you know i like being outside i'll just do that i'll learn about bugs and some animals i'll live in uh, montana that sounds fun you know and i was serious about it uh <laughs> You know? And then I was like, "What about marine biology? That's great. I like the ocean." So I went through all this, all that stuff, and then it was either too much work to like get the the degree I needed to do it, or or just be like, "I just really want to do this. I want to make movies. I want to act. I want you know." So I, I mean, yeah, tenacity and and not quitting is part of it, but you really have to love it. I mean, you really have to love it. <laughs> you know, if you love real estate or you love making cars or whatever. Uh, you know, we're designing buildings. Like you just gotta love it, because I mean, there's
1: rejection in so much of it. You know. Yeah, you know, I, I I feel it's it's one of those businesses that you're all in or you're all out. There, you know, if you if you're if you're not 100 percent committed, it's gonna be a very tough road for you.
0: Well, I find yeah, that's true, but I find also a lot of people that have done it give themselves like, and and they give themselves enough time. They're like, I'm taking two years, or I'm taking three years. You know, like I think it's crazy. Like I'm going to give myself a year. I love that. That's not crazy. That's it's good, but that's not easy. Like, uh, you know, we got lucky in the state because we met each other, and there was safety in numbers, and we were really passionate, ambitious people uh, that created a group, and people noticed. But it's not easy to do it alone, and like it's something. It takes time to kind of build, mainly build uh, you realizing who you are exactly what you have to offer why you're different as a writer as as an actor like what what's special about you because that's all the business is um and they're going to do it anyway the the business is going to be like well he's one of these guys you know uh, (laughs) which is fine you know uh you have to know kind of where you're at and then if you're lucky you get success and then you're able to do all these kind of pet passion projects to show the business that you're not just like dressing a little bit but like What I'm saying is like, you need to give yourself enough time, but I like the people that say I'm giving it this because there's the other end of the spectrum where I see people that are still doing it like 15 years later. And that's great. I'm not tracking that, but they're either not happy or they're bitter or they're not that good, but they're like, I'm still doing it. You're like, well, (laughs) it seems like you're miserable, man. Like why are you still doing it? And then there are those that are still doing it that much and are like, full of joy and they're just loving getting whatever part they get. And then they're doing like a little play with friends that maybe a handful of people, whatever it is, but they're happy and that's great. So then keep doing it.
1: You know, I love it. I think that makes complete sense. And the, um, the state touching on that, I heard a a couple of different variations of how you guys came together from different people. I know Kevin Allison's story was a little bit different, but I know you went to NYU and you guys met and I think you, Kevin Allison met you like the first day he was there, but how did that come together? Well Kevin
0: was in uh was in a a film class uh uh with me and that's where I met Kevin and um Mike Jan who wasn't in the group at the time was also in that film class um and then and and so the three of us and, and another uh guy in the class created a uh a group you know like in the class like a film we all did film so that was my introduction to Kevin uh and 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 Jan um my personal introduction to the group was, so so. Showalter was in the dorm room right across from me uh, at NYU and we became uh, fast friends and there were auditions for this other group. You know, this story has been told a million times. I'm sure by that too. This other group called Sterile Yak. And so I just went and and I went to the audition. I didn't really want to do it, but I like Mike and I wanted to meet people. I just got in there to NYU. And so I, I just did it, but I was a pretty annoyingly serious dude like when I got, got, there, got there I was you know very self-important and um, you know I'm gonna be gonna make great films if I'm an actor it's gonna be De Niro but you know it's, gonna be, it's all serious shit and you know, that's all right you know you come in you know you're young you, you have a lot of different ideas so I'm not gonna knock myself too hard but I'm glad I caught it because I was just kind of intolerable at the time I you know so yeah, and so that was my introduction. Then I got uh, got in the group, and we, and then, and then people came and went, and then the the group,
1: as it is now, I think has been around, you know, certainly before we got to M- uh, MTV. It's it's such a great show, and I, I think um, one of the comparisons I was giving it to is a lot of a lot of the shows and movies that come on now. I'm constantly like, that person's from the state, that person's from the state, that person's from the state. Like if you backtrack all of you guys on there and the films and the TV and the voiceovers and stuff you guys have done since that show like it's you can tie it back more than Kevin Bacon the way that everybody's like degrees <laughs> tie things back to the state everything goes back to the state it's just you guys have made such a big splash over the years and i was such a huge fan of that that i was telling like Kim marino about it but even now i just went and I, i've been watching all of them and they're just as funny if not more funny now because now that i'm a little older i actually understand some of the jokes more but it holds up to this day just as funny. Yeah. And you know, I thought it was just me and my friends that were obsessed with it. And, you know, we'll still call each other and throw, you know, we do the Barry and LeVons and all the jokes back and forth. With the Zoom with the state, the amount of people that were on there, I was like, Hold this is so amazing. We were really humbled by
0: it. We were humbled by it. I was humbled by it. I I I was really lovely and um and also Seeing everyone was lovely. You know, you get older, you don't see everybody as much. Some are in the East Coast, some are here. Uh, but it was really, I just loved the vibe of it. I was wary of, uh, of it, not because I didn't want to work with everyone. Of course I did, but just the medium itself. But what was really awesome was that one of the things the group had always been proud of, and this is directly from a result of its founder, from Todd Hollebeck, was the many different kind of mediums that this creative group of people would explore their voice in. So, you know, at the time when we formed in like the late eighties, excuse me, like, you know, there was, you know, video was just kind of coming out. We, we were a live theater group, but we would add like short little videos in our thing. And then, and then eventually we added some, some small like audio sketches. And, and, and then, so now here we are, you know, 25, 30, whatever it is years later. And now we're doing this zoom thing. And, and I was really excited about that. Because I thought it, it it went really well, and we I thought we used the the medium pretty well too, uh and it was just really great that response that we got from it, from everyone
1: was really special i I thought it was outstanding, it was hysterical, it was great to see everybody and um when, did, did you guys realize how big popular and what a solid cult following that show had uh n-
0: not at this not in 2020. No, like I, I knew that we had like, you know, a following back in the day and maybe a little bit after. And but I know I, I I didn't know uh, how I, I think a lot of us expected maybe, you know, five or six hundred people We <laughs> didn't really be that many. Uh, so I was surprised. Um, but but, you know, my wife um, is just the best. And she's like, you know, you guys really did make an impact probably more than, you know, on a lot of people. And it was, it's always just very surprising to me because I feel very lucky to have been part and fallen into this group of people that ended up like creating such, uh, you know, such, such material that people have just been responding to for so many years. Really humbling.
1: I think it's amazing. And uh, I know I've, I've heard you saying some really great things about the charity thing. So uh, I know you're big on giving back. So the amount of money you guys were able to raise, I think it was $90,000 and still going with the sales, of the t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. It has to feel outstanding too on top of that.
0: Uh, it It feels great. And we have everyone that's donating to thank really. Um, it's, it's really great. And, and Showalter just did a great uh, t-shirt as well. Like he and I were the kind of illustrators of the group and we did a lot of stuff for the show and, um, and we just had an interest in that. So uh, I was really happy that he had the time to do
1: that. It came out great. It did. I really appreciate it. I, I was a big fan of it. And, uh, now, the the business side of that, what I always think is interesting is as I've grown in doing real estate and being an entrepreneur over the years, working with people always has great intentions. But then when people have different opinions or things aren't going the way that they wanted to, mm-hmm. things start to fall apart and get really sticky. And it could bring out the best or it could bring out the worst in somebody very fast, especially when there's money on the line and stress. Yeah. And, and with the state, you, know, you guys had about a guys and girl that were all talented young a personality you know yeah. on tv and it didn't look like or hear from what i'm i'm gathering that there was really one person that was in charge or, or leading the pack right. what was that like trying to deal with all the different personalities and different creative tones and how has that helped you working in that situation carry over to future projects personally and professionally uh, it was a nightmare
0: <laughs> <laughs> It was, it was a dysfunctional nightmare. I mean, um, and I say, I say that kind of looking back fondly because, you know, there's time away from it. You know, it it was, and it's been described like this. It was a, it was a dysfunctional family where people, we met each other when we were 17. We truly loved each other. We, we all had uh, a specific vision on what we thought the The group should be and what we thought our roles in the group should be. And of course, there's going to be conflict there. There were, there were people that were stronger writers than others or people that were stronger performers than others. Um, so it was, it was really hard. It was really difficult. And I think, you know, towards the end, it was necessary for us to take that break because we were also at that point, you know, 26 years old, you know, around 96, I think is when we all kind of like, Split up, and we' been together for like nine years we'd grown to like seventeen years old to twenty six years old. Man, you change there's a lot of new things that you're thinking of and want to do and um so it was very difficult. so I think you know handling it democratically was very good, but it also by its nature kind of lent itself to a rudderless machine and I think you know that was good and bad. it was good because everyone. There was no one person saying, this is what we're doing. Um, so there was always a lot of conversation and that was good. There was always a lot of talking, you know, about the, the issue and that's good. And sometimes it, it was like, drove you crazy. But <laughs> I think ultimately it had to be done because you wanted to make sure everyone had a voice because that was what the kind of founding ideal that Todd uh, created, uh, what it was. It was like, everyone's going to have a voice in this group. You know, and sometimes the voices were louder than others, but everyone was going to find it. And, uh, you know, it was like it was a learning it it was a it was a very much a learning experience. And so for the second part of your question, like how how did that help me is that, you know, you learn to listen, you learn to collaborate, you learn that there are other there are other ideas that can be offered that may make the final product better. and so. It's, you know, I describe the state as kind of like a comedy boot camp because I never really wrote. I wrote in high school, like short stories and horror stories and stuff like that, but I never wrote sketches and I learned how to write a sketch. If I wanted to get a a, a sketch on the show, I was going to have to write. So I think it taught everyone how to do that. Um, And then I found that the most rewarding thing was when you did the sketch or or, or the movie or whatever you do, it felt so much better when you, you saw everyone kind of doing it. And it was a product of a bunch of people. So from there, I work with, you know, uh, Judd Apatow and, and, and Seth and all those guys. When I got into that crowd, I took that. I'm like, these are funny people. Like, let's all be funny. They created a safe, comfortable environment. uh, Like we mostly did in the state as, you know, as, in conflicting as it was the environment was very safe so you were able to kind of express express yourself uh and then and then going from uh from there to 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 brooklyn uh, as well like that's that's a very ensemble show to mm-hmm. reno Nine One One, you know i had a lot of those guys from the state but that's that's you it was about i found that the most rewarding projects were projects where people collaborated and took their ego out of it and so that's that's what I kind of learned from the state, you know, because egos, including my own, were coming into the, to the process, the state, towards, towards the end,
1: you know. That's great. Yeah, one of my mentors always tells me, your ego is not your amigo. Yeah. Check it at the door. Exactly. <laughs> so Our I always try to remember that. But <laughs> the, um, you know, the, some of the things you were saying there about working with different people and collaborating, I didn't realize that so much of Reno 911 was actually – Improv than ad libbed. I, I saw oh, Nick okay. Swartzen in uh, L.A. at uh, he was doing an improv or or like you know we went to go see him do stand up and he yeah. was talking about how he thought it was only going to go on for a few weeks and then like 13 years later he's still in roller skates like flying right. around. But right made me go back and watch the whole series and it was even more impressive to me now, which I, I guess probably helped from like you said learning the sketches and learning how to be on your feet like that. Going to other projects like Reno 911 has to be an easier transition than other actors who are doing something different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I was pretty nervous about that because, uh, doing Reno that first, uh, that season, you know, long ago, um, because I, I, I wasn't really trained in improv. And although in the state we'd have rehearsal and we'd ad lib and stuff, that's very different than improv. And so I was pretty nervous about it. Um, you know, when of course, Tom and Ben and Carrie were, were great. And we're like, it'd be fine. And, but then who really, whose opinion really kind of helped me was Ian Roberts, who, you know, founded, you know, upright Citizens brigade with, with Amy and Matt Walsh and Matt Besser. And, you know, he, he was just great. I remember walking back to the car after the kind of going over all the, you know, we had a big binder of the scenarios, uh, season six. And, and what happens is the whole Reno cast gets around and we kind of just talk to them. We don't act them out, but we're like, here's the game and everything. And that was helping. And I remember walking back from that to my car with Ian. And he's like, I man, you can, and You can be good. And, uh, that, that went a long way because I have, uh, so much respect for him, obviously as a, as an improver along with, you know, all those guys. at UTV.
1: Yeah. You're constantly surrounded with great people and you always hold your own and carry and rise to the occasion on it. And I love it. Anytime I see your anything, I'm always ordering it on prime without even really knowing what it's about. I'm like, Joe Trulio's in, I'm going to get it. I'm going to watch it. And it, it never disappoints, man. I really That's enjoy time, all this stuff that you're doing. Um, But, you know, a lot of the people, um, you know, my friends, kids, they're big into the the freaks and geeks types of cast. You know, they Uh see Seth Rogen and all these guys. And I think of it a little bit like that with you guys from the state that they see a lot of these guys that are in the movies now. And they don't realize that they were all on that TV show together. So, you know, I hear in a lot of industries that, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I feel like it's cool to me to watch the way that you guys have constantly been in projects together again over and over through the years is the, you know, back together in Wanderlust, same guys from the state, yeah. you know, what do you attribute that to that you guys have always been able to hold that bond and work together and be able to help bring each other into other projects? Um, you know, cause I, I heard you say a comment one time about how you like being around people that just work harder than you. And that's to me, what I, I make this whole podcast about is I'm so used to being on people that don't want to give it their best. They don't want to work hard. They don't want to do their part. They just want to be lazy. And when you start to see people that are doing the opposite and they're bringing their A game to everything and they're working their butts off and they're really going above and beyond it, you know, it raises the tides of everybody else. And you're either going to sink or you're going to rise with it. And I feel like that's what all you guys have done.
0: Yeah. Well, we like to work together because we like each other. That's the first thing. And then the other is that there's a um, we're good. We're good at what we do. We've been doing it for a while. And and so, you know, that you can create things with this group of people. Um, there's also just on like a logistical and production level, uh, you know, you know, these people can deliver, you know, they know their job. Well, there's a shorthand in terms of notes and, and, and what you're going for in the scene or what you're going for in the vibe of the movie. And so there's a lot of time that you're saving that you, it's not a waste when you're bringing new people because they're going to bring something new, which is great. But, but you have, there's a bit of an ease. There's a bit of a trust that when when you're in it day of and like you're trying to you know you know you're losing light or you got to get stuff done you're like you just you, it's good to have people that you know can can do it well and, and do it quickly uh but mainly it's because you know you have a good time you just have a good time with those people like it's it's like the, it hits that pleasure center it's like you know from, you know you're like oh i had a great time with that with, with
1: that dude that group yeah i want to do that again let's just do that again let's do that you know so it's, it's partly yeah. that I agree, and I, I think the mindset shift is is a big piece of that too. And I, I've heard you talk a little bit about it, which I really would love to dig deeper into with you. Is just being able to find the positive and the joy in everything you're doing and be happy with where you're at. Because I, I've heard you say it a few different ways, but mm-hmm. you know, you have to be ready that like when things are going to happen, they're going to happen. Like one at your time, at your time. But until then, be present and, and be appreciative of everything there. And I know you shared a story about being on burning love and and not really being engage yes. with where you are and, and looking yeah. for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I think too many people don't really enjoy the journey and that I almost see it burning. Like, I don't want to do these little real estate deals or I don't want to do these little mm-hmm. shows, but if you don't go and and bring your best to that, there is nothing else. Like it's, it's you're only as good as your last day. So you have food on your plate today, eat it. Can't worry about going out the next day. And you mentioned that once you started doing that and really just thought like, you know, I have to be appreciative of the opportunity and just kick every opportunity's ass, then more opportunities started coming because people saw the reflection in what you were doing. And like you said, being reliable, being easy to work with. So how is that mindset shift helped and and how do you remind yourself? Because I feel like it's, you know, the old you got it's like showering. Every day you got to remind yourself of it and keep doing it. It's it's a muscle and people like to go negative quick, but you know, you have to practice being positive. Yeah, I, think,
0: yeah, I know what I know what you're referring to. It's it's um it's about it's about being patient. For sure, but it's also it's about taking action, right every action has um, every action is going to cause something to happen um good or bad, but what doesn't what doesn't have, you know uh, the, the where you get stuck is when you kind of stay still or stay stagnant or let your mind go in a loop so um <laughs> really metaphysical stuff here but like-, like it's it's hard it's hard to especially when you've been doing it for a while, when you're not getting what you want, you feel like you're on the wrong path and you, it's impossible for you to be on the wrong path because that's where you are, you know? And so, but the, the danger is, is, is kind of spinning out and thinking that it's never going to come. And that may happen, but if you're kind of in, in your zone of why you're doing it, then you're not going to be upset about that, you know, and, and also it will come because I've always felt that uh, being creative uh, will, will bring fruit. I, you know, I just believe that. And it's like, there's dark times, there's dark times, but it's like a, you know, it's, it's like a soul check. You just, you kind of have to, you kind of not even beat yourself up. It's not like, you know, get it together, stop bitching about it, stop crying about it. It's not that. That's not that's not that it's like pushing yourself through the through the through the pain, through the disappointment, through the sadness. It's there. That's where that's what you have right now. It doesn't stay. Nothing stays. Success doesn't stay. Failure doesn't stay. The the show doesn't last forever. You know, the the character you create is going to end. Nothing stays. Everything moves forward. Everything changes. So like if once you're aware of that, you it's hard to get down because you're not going to stay dark. For too long, it can't stay dark for too long. Something's going to happen, you know. So I think maybe that's what you were referring to, um because I was talking to my. I think, I think that was on my buddy Mike Rosenbaum on on his podcast. I was yes, yeah, yeah, about burning burning love and and how that was a real tough time that moment for me, you know that and uh, and yet that show was amazing and I had a great time when I was doing it, like um you know acting and in it, and I was so proud to be part of it. Uh, but there were those moments between takes where I was just really in my head. So I'm glad. I'm glad I got through that uh, with the help of some good friends. Um, but yeah, I think you just have to not. I think you just have to realize that you, you have your own, um, your own clock. Your, your own clock happen, you know, and you just
1: got to trust it. Agree. You know, I believe that everything. I I, I always believe that everything happens for a reason. But as I'm getting older and definitely agreeing with that, not only does it happen for a reason, but it happens when it's supposed to. And I I think of some of the successes I've had and I go, why couldn't I have had that when I was 25? And the reality is that I don't think I would have any money I would have made in real estate when I was 23, 24 years old. I I wouldn't have now. And who knows what kind of bad decisions I wasn't mature enough for it then. So, you know, again, I I think, again, you got to just have that faith and put the work in and be patient.
0: And also... You know, getting back to your earlier point in the name of your podcast, the A game and bring your A game, you have to surround yourself with people that are better than you i I mean that's what I try to do. I mean then it's going to raise your game, but it's also going to make you better <clears throat> also sometimes you don't have that choice right and and there's things to be learned from everyone you know there's you watch a you watch a, a bad movie right, and you look at that and you're like, well, why didn't it work you know i, I you know i I hate people that especially for independent movies where they say like, ah, that movie sucked. Like, yeah. Have you tried to make a movie? You're like, <laughs> have you done it? Talk to me. Talk to me when you've actually done the movie. Like, and, and so any movie that's made, I applaud. It doesn't mean I may not like it. it, may not be my taste and it may not have worked or not, but like, I would never say a movie like that was not worth doing, you know, movies suck. Like, you know, I, I get it. I'm not, you know, but <clears throat> that movie should have been made and that was made and kudos to whoever did it because, uh, you know, it's an accomplishment. So anyway, you got to get back to people that are, are better than you. And that's and that's how you succeed. That's in any book. That's not this is not any wisdom here. Like any success book will tell you that. And it's true. <laughs> because You know, be willing to learn, be, be humbled by instead of being like, oh, man, he's so good. He got that thing like you are around this person. Check it out. What's what's she doing? That's so good. How, how, you know, why, why is she nailing it? Like, so learn, you learn from, from people that are better than you. You know,
1: keep your jealous. I think, that, I think it's say. amazing. Even this is my friend's shirt, the Al Jermaine, the Master Sterling. He's about to be fighting for a uh, the UFC bantamweight title. And it's the same thing where, you know, I've been training with these guys for years, doing jujitsu and boxing and all these things. And they get up and they fight on pay-per-view and lose. And people are on their computers Oh, you suck, you bum! It's like he's a world class athlete. How many fights do you have? You don't even go to the gym, you know. And you're going to judge this person, right? right. It's the craziest ever, and and, uh, you know. And that—that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about too. Is as I put myself out there more, which is nowhere near the scale that these guys are, where they're risking getting beat up on national TV, or or you going and putting out something that you wrote or something that you're acting in, and now with social media, that everybody's got an opinion, but nobody's got the balls to try yeah. what you're doing and the people that are around you that are in your business and the people that are training with my buddies who are fighters, they're never going to criticize the person for yeah. going after it and for trying. Like they understand yeah. that is, but how do you deal with that? Cause it, I can picture it, especially now with Twitter being mm-hmm. such a scary thing to put yourself out there like that and have to deal with all that criticism, that nonsense. How do you shut that off and not listen to it?
0: Well, that, you know, that takes a lot of practice, but you know, Twitter and Instagram and all on both, but they're, they're nightmares. They're hellscapes. they're, <laughs> they're, are, they're, They're terrible places to go to get validation or get direction from, you know, they just are. And so you just have to understand what that medium is and what social media is. You know, the, the, I have the group of people that know me that respect me, that I look to to say like, is this shit? Is this, was this, how's this screenplay or like, how's this performance? Uh, Everyone else, like they can give the opinion, like everyone's entitled to the opinion, And it it might even hurt, you know, to be like, but I'm not going to take too much stock in it because, you know, to your point, I don't know what they're doing, you know, but they, you know, they're not, let me see what they did. You know, like I, like just critics are always um, funny people (laughs) like, you know, that was a lesson, even with the state after our first season, when everyone hated us and all those, those critics just like nearly, and that hurt, man, that was our heart and soul. we were also young, and so we were a little thin-skinned as well. But, um, but yeah, I, I handle it in a way where I just try to keep my my focus on what I want to. Whether I'm satisfied with the output of, of what I did, you know, like you know, there and the the people that I truly trust are they are they satisfied? No, no one. Anyone that's close to me, that's a friend of mine, is never gonna. It, it could say like, man, that didn't work which is fine, but they're never going to be like, man, I don't know why you did that. You shouldn't have done that. Like, why did you go for that? Like, that was terrible. What a terrible idea. Yeah. You know, if if they do feel like that, it's because like, I'll say an idea before I actually do it and be like, no, man, that's awful. Don't you dare do that. <laughs> you know? I had a, I had a buddy of mine. I had a buddy of mine went through a breakup and, uh, well, breakup, went, went through a divorce and, uh, this is a while back and, and uh, we're having a, you know, I had been divorced at the time already at like a year before it happened to this person. And he, we're at, we're at the bar, some bar in New York and Hell's Kitchen. And he's like, you know, um, I think I'm going to just get a tattoo. I'm like, Oh yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm going to get a tattoo right on my forearm, on, on my wrist there. It's just, and it's just going to say breathe. And I just looked at him and I, and I started laughing and I saw that he, wasn't kidding and i'm like don't fucking do that you idiot what are you, what are you doing what do you mean don't do that and i and i remind him of it because i'm like do you know how close i could have been to making you screw have a have the joke of a lifetime on your wrist for the rest of your life you like and and, and he laughs every time because it's true uh but yeah so you know i like friends that call me on really dumb ideas before i do them so i'll never I'll, I'll never, I'll never fault anyone that does
1: that. Yeah, no, I think it's super important to, to have people that can, and like you said, it sucks whenever my partner's like, "You did this, it wasn't good." Or my friend Corey Damber was just giving me some feedback on the podcast, and it's like, like when it comes from somebody that you know, that it's coming from a good place. It's totally different than some idiot on social media that's just shooting you down to make themselves feel better. Sure, they haven't done, and you know, I think like you said, that goes back to the the people that you're around and who you're surrounding yourself with. So, uh, you know, another thing that that reminded me of it is the the personal comparison I can only imagine is exponentially bigger in your realm than it is in mine. But I'll be on Facebook and I'll see somebody I know that landed a deal or, or you know, got a big check for some property that they flipped or something. And my initial reaction used to be like, oh, man, like, well, why that? Why not me? And then I'm like, no, you know what? That guy worked his ass off to get that. And now good for him, because if he can, that means that I can do it. And I would use it to kind of leverage me and then I, I would I would celebrate their wins and then I would find that those same people would celebrate mine. And um, with you being in that group, going over the years of seeing people that you guys all started out the same way, did that help give you that confidence when you were like, okay, cool, Thomas Lennon just landed a show like, I'm coming up any day now because I know that it's real because he's doing that. you know, just when you know somebody that's been in the same shoes as you that you see- yeah had that success. And I'm sure, sure you're doing the same thing. for your Yeah. Other guests.
0: Yeah. It does. It does help. I mean, look, you, you, I'm never going to be able to escape comparison. I don't know if anyone could be really honest with themselves and say that they can completely escape comparison and not succumb to jealousy. I mean, that's just, we're human. That's, that's where, that's where we go. And that's okay. <clears throat> I think, um, what you need to remember is that there's enough for everybody you know, you need to believe in abundance. Like, uh, if you believe in abundance, which I do, then you're going to be okay. I mean, there really is enough to go around. That's why you can apply that, not just to the entertainment industry that's everywhere. Uh, um, and so once you kind of get grasped that, um, then it, it, it eases some of that other more, more negative thoughts that come in with that, you know? Because you're right, along your lines, you're like, I can do that. Like, and you can, you can do that. But more importantly, like all that'll be there when you're ready to do it or when you're able to do it too. No one's taking all the pie. You know, like there's 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 enough there. So you do that, then then you kind of ease back and you're able to be like, ah, that's great, man. He did it. Yeah, got that thing, he got that thing. Like, ah, I can't wait to get mine when it comes, you know.
1: So touching on that, was there a point. Was there a, on set or a show or a time that you remember just looking around and being like, holy shit, like I, I made it. I'm you know, in a movie with Jenna Radiston or like a movie I just wrote or a show I just wrote is out there. Yeah. When did the reality set in that you actually hit the level that you were looking for? Did it never?
0: I, I can tell you the moment. I walked into uh, my bungalow in Santa Fe, New Mexico. When I arrived on location to shoot Paul in 2009, I guess we shot it. Uh, and there was a big old like you know greeting basket from either universal or it might have been from Simon and Nick or but what it, but it but i walked in to my own like bungalow and a fruit basket and i just kind of broke down in tears that was it i'm like this is what i've wanted i've wanted to be working with um, simon and nick who have been fans of and still are for the longest time but also i i'm in a i'm in a, a big movie i'm in a big movie with lots of great people uh, on location. Like I just really, uh, that was a big moment for me. Um, so that's, yeah, that was it. It was that moment. And, and, and which isn't to say that I wasn't enjoying and really happy and moved by all the successes I had before that. I really was. Another one was like beer league. When I got that, you know, that was kind of the first project I got as separate from the state and everyone in it. You know, I got that. I, you know, I went out and, and, you know, and so that was another big step because that was close to wasn't close to the break of the boot of the group of the state. It was a little bit after that, but it was the first kind of project that I got, just being Joe and not being part of a larger thing. <clears throat> so those were two. Yeah, those were two
1: big moments for me. Both outstanding movies. of you know beer league, great movie. I love Paul. I You're love Rose. beer league.
0: You Paul. me and Jimmy it's Palumbo. True, uh, you know, every now and then I haven't uh, talked to him in so long or texted him in so long, but we're all like, what are we doing? Beer league too? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I love that movie. And and Frank Sebastiano is such a great great writer and great and terrific director and like he just he's so he was so good that and, and Artie of course brilliant and uh you know i i just i love that movie so unapologetic like it's just the best you know and a bunch of just a, a bunch of new york a bunch of italians in it and you know uh that's just a, i loved it such a great experience
1: yeah. It's very much my humor. And I was actually watching, uh, last week I was, I was watching Paul and I watched uh, some of your scenes. in super bad. Every time it pops up, I'll watch it, but your scenes in all of those movies that are hysterical movies start to finish. I feel like your spots in them always stick out as some of the highlights and the funniest parts in those. I just, I really like all your cameos in those movies, man. You do a great job. You really, you really bring an element in a movie. That's already a great, funny movie. You always seem to make it funnier. I really, I appreciate, I appreciate
0: that. that. That's very cool to say. It's, it's funny. It's, uh, you um you know when you get parts like that and and you know I had this thought that I would you know just have a career in movies even if it was just a character actor right you know and and which is what I'd want to be a character and what I am more importantly but like you know in the beginning when you get those scenes you're like I got three scenes to like really dig into and so you like And that's what you do. And, uh, you know, um, and then and then you get older and you get wiser and you're like, oh, it's not really about just me and that scene. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you just start to see like the larger the larger picture. So uh, but thanks. That's those are those were very um, those were important movies to do because they just helped me kind of find find my way and my my role in, in
1: in in movies. My part. Do you try and pick um, mostly roles if you have a say that that are things that you think is funny and you enjoy? Because, you know, talking to musicians, sometimes the music that they play is really not the genre that they like. They just it's Hmm. more like their job to them. And, you know, you're pretty consistent with a lot of your stuff. But I mean, those movies are hysterical and timeless and funny. But I mean, is that your humor anyway? Yeah. Yeah. That's my humor anyway. I mean, yeah. Um, It's also you kind of go.
0: Where, where the work is, right? I mean, that's just kind of where it led. It made sense after like the state and some other stuff and friends. And, you know, I was, I was funny. And, and so you, know, you find yourself in those places and then you kind of make them what you want to make them. And then you see where it can go, you know, what, where, where it leads you. But uh, yeah, that's my sense of humor. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cool.
1: How is being a dad and a family man change your perception on? going down in the career, maybe getting roles, not goals, keeping you motivated. You know, I was listening to um, uh, his fighter, Forrest Griffin, and he was like, man, I just realized if I fight and I lose, at the end of the day, my wife still loves me, my mom still loves me, my kid still loves yeah. me. He's like, I get to go home and just be dad, and they're not going to remember me at the end of the day of like, well, right. yeah, my dad did all these great things, but remember when he lost his fight or didn't get this role. Yeah. so." I mean, how has your perspective changed with that and having that supportive family at home?
0: Very close to, uh, very close to his. I mean, it, it's um, you know, I've I've been very lucky. I, I've done I've done a lot so far. So if it ends tomorrow, I'm going to be bummed. But I'm like, I, I did you know everything but one thing, and so you know, I'm working on that one thing. But like the 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 being having a family is really. Wonderful! Uh, I, I love it, and and it's great to have a wife who's also a part of it and part of the industry. Um, you know, you logistically you try to get projects that are just close to home. Like neither of us want to be going, you know, away for like six months. Um, you know, depending on the job, we work it all out. That's the life of an actor. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it has changed the perspective where you know, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard to get what I want, but if I don't get it, that's all right. Because this is the best thing that I've made so far. Man, you know? That's so, really awesome. Yeah.
1: Cool. Again, I appreciate you being very generous with your time. Um This last section I like to call the victory lap. Just a couple <laughs> of closing questions here. So yeah. um my first question is, what do you, what do you do to unplug? So, you know, get out of your own head, go home. Cause for, you know, for me, I was, I'd say I go home and watch a movie, but maybe if you're trying to get a movie, that's the last thing you want to do. So what do you do to reset I, yourself?
0: I, um, I, I, I sit outside with a martini, uh, and I just kind of like, uh, think about the day or, or not think about the day I'll swim. I swim every day. I was in high school and that's something that stayed with me. Um, meditate, you know, I'll try to every day for like 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I, that's what I usually do to reset. Um, I, I, love, I still love watching movies. I always will. Um, I'll binge shows. Uh, but I, I also like to get out to the desert. I'll go to Joshua Tree a lot and, um, and, and chill out there and read and, and do whatever to unplug. But yeah, it's mostly I try to get outside. Try to get outside to help me unplug a bit.
1: Great. That's awesome. What was one of the worst jobs you've ever had prior to getting into show business? Uh, I worked at The Gap for about three weeks and
0: uh, it was horrendous and I hated it and I knew I was going to be bad at it. And I was, and they, they gave me a pull. They took a, they, I, I folded a display for about four hours, a very particular way you got to fold the gap stuff. And then when I was done, the manager took a Polaroid of it and gave it to me and they're like, this is great. This is for you. You can keep that. And I said, uh, I quit. This is, the, <laughs> this is the saddest thing that's ever happened to me. So yeah. Awesome. Really bad.
1: Nice. Was that in, uh, Cal-
0: in Florida or California? That was in, that was in uh, New York, I believe. That was in New York. And I needed, you know, I was getting, I needed clothes too. And he got a good discount. So I think that's why I took it.
1: Yeah. I'll give a quick shout out to my friend, Terry, who uh, used to run a, a scam stealing jackets from the Gap. That's what comes every time when hey. they were young. So he, yeah. he got fired. <laughs> it didn't uh, work out well. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite sketch from the state?
0: Um... Man, that's tough. I like Sal and Frankie and I like Cutlery Barn. You know, um that's it that was the first there's a lot, but like uh Cutlery Barn is 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 uh is is a top top fave. Yeah. Awesome. Do do you go back and watch them still? I don't. I don't. Uh my I showed a couple to my son. Um I showed uh Toothbrush and um uh choking where we're doing you know the the where it's me and, and Ben and Ken Reno in the restaurant, you know <laughs> doing? Yeah. So I showed those two. I, I haven't seen them in, in a long time. I think uh, I'll be doing that, you know, pretty. Yeah. Pretty, I don't know. I don't know when, but I'd like to do that someday. And just
1: like, because a lot of them, I've forgotten to be honest. It's so funny. Even that it's the craziest thing. Like I can't remember my keys, but as soon as you said toothbrush, I haven't seen it in years. And I still remember toothbrush came back. And yeah. he started a family, Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, you know, yeah. It's just, yeah. it's awesome, timeless stuff, man. So um, last couple questions. One of them is, and it's a little bit more philosophical, but knowing what you know now in life, if there was a time machine and a younger Joe Lutrullio came up and asked you for advice starting out, what advice would you give a younger you today?
0: Um, I think I would just tell them to to chill out. Early me, early 20-year-old me, I would tell them to chill out a bit. Like, I think I was very impatient and wanting things to happen very quickly. Um, It's hard to say, chill out and your time will come to a 20 year old. I probably wouldn't have responded well, but I, (laughs) I think I would at 20, but I think I would probably tell myself that. Yeah. And, and, and uh, take a look around and see the success that you already have so far. Um, Even
1: if they're small, like don't, disregard the small victories. They're very important. Great advice. I appreciate it. What's next for Joe LaTrulio? Where can people find you and what stuff are you working on right now? Um, I, let's see, right now, I,
0: we, I almost went into production on a movie that I, that I wrote uh, and would be directing. It's a horror movie. We had to stop for a number of reasons, mainly COVID. Um, but we hope to shoot that next summer. And that's how I have straight horror movies. So I'm very excited about that. And um, right now there's a, a, a very small independent movie called Hear a While uh, starring Anna Camp and Stephen Strait. And it's about, uh, it's, it's a very earnest movie. It's a very sweet movie, but it's heavy duty, tearjerker movie. Um, that's out on, I think, iTunes or Amazon. It's called Hear a While. It's, it's streaming. Um, and those are the two immediate uh, things that, are, that, are, that I'm working on right now. And then Brooklyn could probably start up in our uh, next season maybe start shooting again maybe in september we'll see we have no date on that so that's a guess but
1: yeah that's what's up next cool what, what a great yeah. show man brooklyn 91 is amazing show I, I appreciate all this stuff you've been in um what are your some of your handles of instagram twitter facebook oh, uh,
0: yeah i'm on uh, uh both instagram and twitter both just my name at uh joe DeLuchulio. yeah outstanding yeah. man hey yeah. i had a great time nick i thanks, thanks for, for having me and this has been awesome And uh, Good luck with the podcast
1: and you're a very easy guy to talk to. And uh, here's to New York and Queens. Thanks. But likewise, man. Again, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this and being so generous with your time. Very down to earth. It was very big of you to do this. I've been a, a huge fan for a very long time and uh, I, I can't thank you enough, man. I wish you the best luck in everything. I'll be watching, following, subscribing and buying anything you put out. Joe Latrio, ladies and gentlemen, uh, have a safe and happy. I uh, hope your family and everybody's well and I'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Right on. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Okay, that was Joe Latrulio from everything. I mean, what a great guy. Uh, so normal, so easy to talk to. Um, you know, just everything I thought he would have been, he is. And that that was a really cool thing for him to do and for all those guys to do. And if you guys have not seen uh, the shows that he's in, I mean, he's just, he's so good in everything. Super bad, classic, classic scene. Paul is hysterical. The state, obviously, I talk to him all the time. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer, he's great on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's hysterical and I love you, man and he touched on a lot of things that i think are very relevant to real estate to business to being an entrepreneur a lot of appreciating and celebrating your wins and the comparing yourself to other people and you know a lot of just um you know surrounding yourself with the right people being positive who, seeing who you know having that support at home um, just looking around and, and taking the small steps and slowing it down and the mindset behind it and a lot of the philosophical stuff, okay? i keep saying how you do anything is how you do everything and there's really no difference. If you didn't know he was an actor, if I interviewed him, I would ask, and I do ask pretty much the same exact questions that I would to somebody who is an athlete or a musician or a real estate guy or a stock guy or or whatever it is that they want to do. It all comes down to the same thing. You know, you got your wins, you got your losses, people that are gonna be haters, people that are gonna be critics, but at the end of the day, you surround yourself with a good core of people that have your best intentions, people you enjoy being around. You you work your ass off at everything you do, you bring your best and you're just patient and you wait and good things are going to happen. And it takes everyday practice. You know, you see all the movies he's in, but you don't see all the stuff that he didn't get. And that's not what matters at the end of the day. People are not going to remember him as the guy who didn't get 300 auditions. They're going to remember him as his hysterical role in Superbad or these movies that are coming out now. So obviously in the show notes, I have all his contact information. Um, and I'll also post all the stuff he talked about for uh, the shows that are coming out, the movies that are coming out, the next season of Brooklyn Nine One One, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I'm sorry. I mix Reno 911 and Brooklyn 9-9. But uh, I really appreciate everybody listening. Um, appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. It made my day to talk to Joel Achulio. I got to represent Algemaine the Funkmaster Sterling. Shout out to Corey D'Ambra and Bobby Muser for reaching out to me today and give you some good feedback on the podcast. I appreciate everybody that's listening. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bring your A game. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the Tri-State area's most respected drummers, Dan Lamagna. Dan Lamagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced beginner any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.